With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You are listening to the Technical File Podcast for Monday, July 16th, 2017. I am your host, Manny Fresh, and uh, it is hot. It is hot. It's hot all over the country, man. I know last week I complained that uh, this weather wasn't feeling real summer-like yet. Well, it's feeling summer-like this week, man. Like, it's been 90 degrees now. It's supposed to be 90... I think it's supposed to be like 94 today here in Washington State, which which is like crazy for us. Like this is this is like, see, ninety four for us is like a hundred, a hundred degrees, like a hundred and five, for like someone in Boston or something. So like it, that's a lot for us. So it's crazy, man. This heat is this heat has been ridiculous the last couple of days, man. It's only gonna get worse this week. It's supposed to be in the high eighties basically all week. I think it's supposed to cool down sometime this weekend. I think, but it's supposed to be crazy all week. So if you're if you're somewhere across the country, it seems like it's a it's a countrywide heat wave going on so if you're out there man stay cool uh stay stay away from outside because it's hot out there man at least we don't have humidity because like that's like the worst like if you have humidity and it's hot that's like the worst shit ever like it's it's bad enough that it's like 90 but if it's like it's like 100 percent humidity like it like that's why florida is horrible because florida is like it'll be like 91 and it'll be like humidity of like 100 so it just makes it feel even worse like I I, uh, I don't know how people do it in Florida. I lived in Florida for three years, bro. Like I can never do it again. I I can like me personally. I don't like hot weather anyway. Like I like cool weather. Like see, like Washington State summers are perfect because it it it's like between seventy five and eighty five, for the most part. You will have like that two week stretch where it gets hot, but for the most part, it's seventy five to eighty five. Like I can deal with that. I like eighty eighty two eighty three eighty four eighty five ish. That's my range. Like I can deal with that. That's perfect. Once it starts getting to eighty eight ninety. 
Ah, uh, it's it's like you know that heat where you, it's like you go outside and you have to you feel like you have to wear multiple outfits throughout the day because you're just sweating through everything. That humidity that you just feel sticky and gross. Ah, uh, I hate that shit, man. I hate it. I, I can't stand it. And some people that love it. My mom loves that shit. I mean, ah, oh God, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. So. Yeah, for those of you out there that are living in Florida, I have friends in Florida, so I know, trust. For those of you that are that are that are that are surviving this 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 horrible heat out there, man. Big ups to you, man. And every time and, and, and here's the crazy part, right? So like I contemplated buying an AC system uh a couple weeks ago, before it really got hot. And I was like, because my house doesn't have heat. And my, that's how that's how much that's how little it gets hot here. So like the houses, generally speaking, don't come with central AC in, the, in in Washington, unless you have like a really new house built, you know, in the last few years. It really doesn't come with a lot of uh, central AC. So, you know, we contemplated buying an AC for the house, and it, it would cost like five grand to get the the central AC system set up, basically. Or of course, we could kind of buy the old school, you know, AC, put it in the window, or whatever. And those are like 200, 300 bucks. So we contemplate buying one of those instead of getting the, the whole system put in the house. Because essentially, you, you're basically buying it for 14 days total, essentially. But you just have to. But the downside of that is having to brave through horrible, horrible weather for 14 days. But whatever. So we contemplated buying it. And I was like, eh, you know what? It's not, you know, it's not worth it. It's 300 bucks. And you're basically paying for it for two weeks. Now I'm paying for it, essentially. <laughs> I'm paying for it because now every drop of sweat that I drop or every every miserable ounce of energy that I spend doing anything, washing dishes, running after the kids, anything, I think about that damn AC system that I could have right now. So, yeah, I, I took a foul for that. So that's my foul. That's my that's my one foul of the week for this week from me, not buying an AC system a couple weeks ago. Of course, now, like if you go to the store, like it's crazy too. Like now, if you go to the store and buy that same AC system, it's like five hundred bucks. So I could have, I could have had it for like two fifty, three hundred, but now it's five hundred dollars. Of course, of course, gotta love, gotta love capitalism and consumerism. But whatever, it is what it is, man. I hope everybody's staying cool out there, man. Uh, the MLB All Star Break is here. It's a late All Star. It's a late uh, All Star Break this year. Um, it's probably one of the latest I've ever remembered. Matter of fact, most teams have played close to one hundred games. Which is kind of crazy because usually the All Star break comes around about the eighty fourth or fifth game mark. Usually teams don't go above ninety for the All Star breaks. Usually, usually, I mean, there's some years here and there that the All Star break will come in like past ninety games, but for the most part, eight, you know, some years I've seen it where it's right at eighty two, eighty three, or eighty four games. Other years it's been later, but I don't know. This year feels like it's it's been the it's been the latest uh, All Star break we've had. Um, I know the Astros have played, I think the Astros have played 99 games. I think the Yankees have played 97 or 95 games. I think the Red Sox have played 97. The Mets have played 94. Just teams off the top of my head that I know how many games to play. So most teams have played between that 90, that 94-ish to about 98, 99 games. So it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy because you think about it, on Friday when games resumes, you basically have... 60 games left essentially so um a lot a lot to discuss in the all-star break and we got some a little bit of news today well especially if you're a met fan jacob Degrom's agent basically came out and laid down the gauntlet for the mets you know essentially he basically said that 
you know, and I'm paraphrasing it a little bit, but if you read the statement, if you look it up and you read the statement, he essentially said, hey, my client wants to be a Met. He loves it here, wants to be a Met, wants to end his career with the Mets. But if you're not willing to sign me to a long-term deal now, not, not or in, at least in the offseason, in the, in the near future, basically, if you're not willing to sign me to, an, to a contract extension now, basically trade me. And there's been no secrets that the trade rumors are out there for DeGrom, although it's been cooling off the last couple of weeks because I think the Mets have basically put out there that they're not going to trade DeGrom or Syndergaard, especially Syndergaard or especially DeGrom. But um, he's essentially said, I want we want a long term deal now. And, you know, these agents are essentially talking for the player. So DeGrom has basically said, I want to be a Met. I want to be here for the rest of my career. Essentially, I want to get paid like one of the best pitchers in the sport. Give me a contract extension now. Let's be partners for the, for seven, eight years. Let's do the damn thing. But if you're not, or if you're not willing to do that, trade me. And I know there's been a lot of talk in the New York radios. Was this a good thing? Was this a bad thing? Does this put the gauntlet on the Mets? Um, I think it puts the gauntlet on the Mets, of course. I think the Mets now are in a situation, because DeGrom has really not really said anything about it the last couple of years about getting an extension. Everything has been, well, you know, we're open to it on both sides. Well, we're open to it or, oh, we'll look into it, blah, blah, blah. But now I think this is the first real time where the focus has really been put on, on DeGrom getting an extension, DeGrom getting a contract, DeGrom's extension and how it, and how it pertains to him being traded and exactly, you know, et cetera. So now you have a situation now where the Mets have to basically say, you know, they basically have to tell themselves, are we a in a position where we want to pay our best player, and DeGrom is their best player. I know he's a pitcher, but he's their best player. Our superstar, our, the face of our franchise right now. Or are we in a situation where we want to rebuild? And what good does it do us to pay DeGrom seven years, 200 million? Let's throw out a figure out. Seven years, 20 million. And we're not going to be good for another five years. So the Mets are in that situation right now, and they basically have to decide what they want to do. If they choose the latter, you know, fine. Awesome. Great. You know, if they choose the former, fine. Awesome. Great. But here's the thing. I don't blame Jacob DeGrom. Like, I think he did the right thing. I think if you're Jacob DeGrom, I actually wish that more athletes did this. Like he said, Hey, I want to be here. I want to play here. I have no problem extending. I have no problem. If tomorrow the Mets came up to me and said, Hey, we're going to pay you. If, of course the money has to be right. And that's the other added piece to this. But if you give me a contract tomorrow, I'll sign a contract. As long as it meets what I want and what you guys want and what you guys are willing to pay me, boom, let's do it. But if it if you're not if but if you guys are not comfortable with that or if you guys are not willing to sign me to a contract or you guys just know for off top like yo, 7 years, 200 million or whatever is too much for y'all, then trade me now. I like when athletes do that. Like I don't have no problem when athletes do that. Like I have no problem when an athlete saying I want to stay here. Like, I wish more guys in the NBA did that. Like, yo, I like it here. I want to be here. Let's work out an extension. I don't need to be a free agent. I don't need to test the waters. I don't need to go on visits and be wined and dined. I like it here. I want to stay here. Pay me my money and we go. If not, I'll go just trade me and I'll go somewhere else and either I'll resign there or I will become a free agent. Like, I like when guys do that. I think it's it's transparency. I think it lets the team know that, hey, I want to be here. Let's get it done. If not... Basically, send me on my way to somewhere where I can sign a contract or I can win. And that's essentially what Jacob DeGrom did today. He basically told the Mets, I want to be here. Pay me. But if you don't want to pay me or if we can't come to a mutual agreement on what a contract looks like, 
then trade me. Now, some people will say, well, that puts pressure on the Mets, but you know what? That should put pressure on the Mets. Like the Mets should have signed Jacob DeGrom to a long-term long -term deal two years ago. And they still have two, two years, because I think he's not a free agent until 2021, I believe. So they essentially, they still got three seasons of control of him. So he did fire the first shot. He did fire the gauntlet. He put the gauntlet on the Mets to do something, but I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all, because I think the Mets have to look... The Mets right now are at a crossroads. They have to look at themselves and say, are we con are we a team that's contending or just having a bad couple years, but we're still planning on contending. We're still planning on being a competitive team year in and year out, or we're a team that's rebuilding. Like, I don't want this in-between bullshit. Well, we're not really contending, but we're not tearing it down either. So we're kind of just playing it in the middle. Like, you know, we'll do enough to be good, but we won't do enough to go above the above and beyond. So, like, if we break right one way or another, we'll, we'll our actions will dictate one way or another. Like, if we if we start out hot and we and we you know we you know we play above our heads, then we'll add. If we you know we suck and we're in last place, then we'll sell. But this this in between bullshit's not going to work because that's what's that's what's caused this problem now that they're in. Besides the fact that they've done a shitty job of player development. This in-between bullshit. Well, we kind of want to, we, we want to be with the big boys and we want to spend money in free agency and we want to, you know, we want to spend money and, 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 and player development and scouting and this and the other, but, you know, I don't know. Like the Mets have to come to a decision right now. Like they, they're literally at a crossroads and we'll talk about another franchise that's at a crossroads and the Cardinals. We'll get to that in a second, but they're at a crossroads right now. Like they have to seriously look at themselves in the mirror and say, what are we? And I, and a couple of weeks ago when I went on my little diatribe about the Mets and it was the first time that I had really kind of in a, in a, in an anger mode, in a rant mode, I had said, basically trade everybody, trade the ground, trade the ground, because there's nothing here. There's nothing here. There's no hope. And I said that. And, but even in that podcast, I said, if you're not going to put money into the product, if you're not going to go out there this off season, extend Jacob deGrom, you know, extend Noah Syndergaard, sign a legitimate Number three starter, a legitimate number three starter, not a Jason Vargas type, but a legitimate, you know, not a superstar, but a guy that you you feel completely and utterly comfortable taking the ball in a game three situation and signing a Manny Machado or at least being in the discussion to sign a Manny Machado, a Bryce Harper, a Nolan Arenado. I know he's not a free agent until next year, but, you know, these type of guys, if you're not willing to do that, then tear it down, tear it down. What's the point? What is the point? If you're not willing to, because right now your player development sucks. I know in the lower minors, they have talent, you know, Jimenez and, and, and Mauricio and guys like that. Um, Anthony Kay and, and, um, you know, Peterson, the guy they drafted last year, Kalanick has gone, you know, Jerry Kalanick, the, 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 the kid that they picked up, the high school kid they picked up from Wisconsin this year in the draft. They've all gotten off the good. So, so in the lower minors, they have talent, but you know, it's going to take these guys three, four years to come up. But in the near future, their, their double A talent's not that great. Their triple A outside of Alonzo and McNeil, they don't really have a lot of talent coming through that system in the near future, in the next year or two. Unless Kalanick just completely tears it up and he just basically flies through the system. Unless Jimenez and Mauricio, those guys fly through the system. They don't have talent like that coming through the pipeline right now or in the next year or two. Now, by 2021, 2022, they will be. They will. But right now, they don't. And if you're not willing to go out and sign a Manny Machado, if you're not willing to go out there and sign big type, big money players and guys that can help this team right now, then what's the point? What is the point of keeping Jacob DeGrom? What is the point of keeping Noah Syndergaard? What is the point? You're not winning. You're not winning. 
And that has been my point with the Mets the entire time. If you're not going to play like a big market team and go out there and spend money, like the Mets should be one of the teams in the conversation for Manny Machado this offseason. Absolutely. The Mets need a shortstop or an infielder of any of any note. I know they have Rosario, but they can shift Rosario to second base or third or trade him, whatever they'd like. But ideally, switch him to third base or second base. Sign Manny Machado to play shortstop, and there you go. You got a guy that you could build, who's only 26 years old. That's a guy you could build around for the next seven to eight years. Easily. Easily. Granted, he stays healthy. You can build around that guy for the next seven to eight years. If you're not willing to do that, then what's the point? What is the point of holding on to Jacob DeGrom? What is the point of holding on to Noah Syndergaard? Hell, what's the point of holding on to Steven Matz and Zach Wheeler? What is the point? What are you accomplishing? What are you accomplishing? We're not, you're not winning. You're not winning. You've proven that this year. You've proven that last year. And, a lot of, and I know a lot of it has been injuries. I get it. But if you're not going to if you're not going to extend Jacob Degrom, then why keep him? Why keep him? What is the point? Along with extending Jacob Degrom, if you're not going to go out there and add real credible major league talent, not old veterans that can't get a deal, but a legitimate superstar in the prime, like guys like Manny Machado, don't go out on the market that often. Guys like Bryce Harper, although I think Bryce Harper is overrated. Guys like Bryce Harper don't go out on the market every day. These dudes are never available, especially at that age. They just aren't. A lot of teams have been buying up free agency years and arbitration years. So these guys don't don't become free agents at that young age anymore. Very rarely. So when you have an opportunity to add an impact guy who's only 26 years old, you do it. You absolutely do it with no, without even a hint of doubt. You do it. But it's the Mets and it's the Wilpons. And you know what? I don't even want to hear the excuse from the Wilpons that, oh, well, the Mad- Madoff was... Madoff was what? Eight, seven, eight years ago. And from everything you read, the Wilpons are doing great financially. SNY is a cash cow. They've got other business ventures that they've invested in over the last couple of years. So the Wilpons financially are good. See, they, they're, they may let on or they may, their, their lack of activity may, may, may allow people to think that they're financially still hurting from the Madoff thing, but they have, but they're not. And even themselves, they've, they've gone out and said that the Madoff thing is no longer an issue. Well, if it's no longer an issue, go out and sign Manny Machado. Go out and extend Noah Syndergaard. At least begin the dialogue on talking about Noah. You don't want to extend Noah Syndergaard. I get it. But at least have conversations with Noah about extending him. At least buying up some arbitration years. So that was the first bit of news today. The Grom's agent basically saying, yo, I want to be here. My client wants to be here. But if you don't want me here and you don't and you're not willing to talk money and pay me my money that I'm that I've deserved, then trade me. And it's no coincidence that there's been trade talks involving DeGrom. So I'm I'm sure that he's looking at that and saying, okay, I don't want to be traded. But if you're not going to pay me, if you're not even willing to even have a conversation about paying me and extending me, then what's good? Deal me to the Yankees. Deal me to the Red Sox. Deal me to whoever, whatever team needs me. Let's do this. Let's be done with this. And again, I don't have a problem with it. Some Met fans may have a problem with it. Some some people in baseball may have a problem. Like, why bring this up now? It's a distraction. It puts the Mets in an, an impossible situation or an unwinnable. First of all, it's not an impossible situation because he's your best player. He's your best pitcher. He's the, fa- he's the face of your franchise. He's a guy that's done everything that you've asked about him. He's a good guy. He's quiet. He never, he's, he, you know, he's never in trouble. He's never doing anything stupid. Yes, he's had some injury, injury things. But for the most part, he's been relatively healthy, consistent, durable. What's the problem? The only problem is, is if you're a team that's willing to contend and willing to build a team that's going to win now and for the next couple of years, or you're a team that's playing for a later day. And honestly, like I'm good with either one. Of course, I'm a fan and I'm pissed off that the Mets suck and that we've 
basically done a shitty job of player development and that we're in this situation that we're in right now. And I wish that the Mets were competing for a division or at least for a fucking wild card right now today as we speak. But we're not. But I'm good with either either op, either either end of the spectrum. But come out and say it. If the Mets said today or if tomorrow they hold a press conference and hey, hey, everybody's available. We're willing to trade everybody. We're rebuilding. See you in 2023. I don't like it, but I understand it. And I'm good with it. And if the Mets come out tomorrow and say, hey, we're willing to win. We want to compete. We want to win. You know, Jacob deGrom, let's let's sit down. Let's let's iron out a contract, however much you want. Let's do it. Noah Syndergaard, same thing. In the offseason, we're going to go out and sign Manny Machado. Or at least be in the conversation to sign Manny Machado. I'm good with that. And that's where we should be. But this in-between bullshit, oh, no, we don't have enough money to sign Manny Machado. No, 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 no. That's too much for us. Instead of Manny Machado, we're, we're going to sign as Drupal to play third base next year and move and move Frazier to first. Or, or do, no, no. That patchwork shit, that's what's gotten us into this problem now. That's the problem. So that's the first bit of news. <laughs> now that my soliloquy on the Mets is over. Overall, I mean... Uh, I guess the second piece of news or item of discussion for today's show is just the lack of interest I have in the All-Star game. And this is really one of the first, well, it's been like this the last couple of years. And I've had a lot of discussion on Twitter and with friends about is the All-Star game, and, and not just the baseball All-Star game, but All-Star games in general. Are All-Star games in general dead? And I've always kind of been on the fence about that because I've always, I've always kind of had that, that, that childlike nostalgia view of the all-star games in general and all, of all all-star games like oh it's still cool the, you know the, the pageantry the the pomp and circumstance of it has all been pretty it's dope still and still special for for all the all-star games but especially baseball obviously which is so geared on its history and all that but over the last couple of years like i don't know maybe it's just because i've gotten older I've become a little bit more cynical and curmudgeonly. Like, I, I, I just don't know what it is, but I'm just not interested anymore in the All-Star game. And that's all All-Star games. And people always ask, like, well, what's caused All-Star games to lose steam? What has caused it? And, and for this case, we'll stick to baseball. What has caused the baseball All-Star game to lose its interest, to lose its last luster? Because it's always been the best All-Star game. It's always been the best All-Star game. It's not even a, it's not even a debate. Like, even if you don't like baseball, like... I think the, the knowledgeable sports fan will say that the baseball all-star game has always been the better all-star game of all the all-star games. The NBA all-star game, I, the, the, the promotion, the, the, the atmosphere around the, ML, the NBA all-star game has always been the best, but the game has always sucked. Let's be real. Like the NBA all-star game has always sucked. Yes, it was competitive back in the day. It was a little bit more competitive. It always felt like it was a little bit more, uh, you know, competitive will and fire back in the day, but it, it's always been a, crap game it's always has now it's gotten worse now it's just a, a fucking glorified exhibition i mean it always has obviously but but now it's just more obvious now that it's just it's a joke i don't care if they're picking each other's teams and all that shit everybody got a hard on about that last year and it still was a 150 to 148 game and guys weren't playing no defense outside of the fourth quarter so what did that actually what did that improve i i guess it made it a little bit better but i mean not by much not by much Honestly, not by much. So, but what has caused the All-Star game to lose its luster? I think it's been a combination of things. I don't think it's it's one particular thing. I think it's a combination of things. I think number 1, interleague play has hurt the All-Star game. I, I think it has. And I and I'm a fan of interleague play. Like I I will still sit here and defend interleague play. Like 
I get why people do not like interleague play, especially the old fogies out there, the traditionalists that say it, it, it's taken away from those from it's taken away from the World Series, it's taken away from the All Star game specifically. Um, the, the 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 novelty of seeing American League guys versus National League guys is gone because of interleague play, and it's hurt the sport. And I get the argument, but I would I but I always come in the other way that it's helped the sport. Like as a Met fan, do I want on a random June night? Do I want to see Mets Yankees or do I want to see Mets Marlins for the for the fourteenth time? Do I want to see what? If you ask me right now, if I had my choice, do I want to see the the sixteenth matchup, you know, or the tenth matchup between the Mets and the Marlins on July tenth, or do I want to see a Met? Yankee game where the fans are talking shit to each other in the stands and there's a little bit of pride and a little bit of of excitement in the ballpark on a on a July night. Would I rather see that than Mets Marlins? Of course I would. Of course I would. I'll take it further. Would I do I want to see another mundane matchup between the Mets and the Pirates, or do I want to see an interesting matchup between the Mets and the Blue Jays? Two teams that don't play each other all the time. Or the Mets and the, you know, you know, the Mets and the the Angels. And I get to see Mike Trout. I'm gonna pick the interleague matchup. Now, and, and I get it. Some interleague matchups are terrible. Like, does anybody care about seeing the Rockies and the Rays? Does anybody care about seeing the Blue Jays and the Marlins? Or the Tigers and the, or the Tigers and the, uh, you know, or the Tigers and the, the Pirates? No. Nobody cares. Those are not great teams. So, of course, a lot of that is predicated on where you are in the standings. But at the end of the day, I just think it's better. But I understand the knock against it. But I think interleague has definitely hurt the All Star game. There's no novelty to it anymore. There's no, like I've always been a National League guy. I'm a Met fan. There's no novelty in seeing Mike Trout. I've already seen Mike Trout. Not to mention, and I'll and I'll, and this is my second reason. I think technology. I think technology has affected this. And what I mean by technology is cable TV, the internet. If I it, like back in the day, like like when my uncles and my and my dad and 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 grandfather and grandparents and the OGs back in the day. You know, if they were National League guys and they wanted to see a Reggie Jackson or they wanted to see or they wanted to see or they wanted to see Yaz, there was no MLB.tv. There was no baseball tonight. There was no MLB tonight. It just wasn't. It just wasn't. So they had to wait to the All-Star game or they had to wait to the World Series or the random game of the week that was on NBC or ABC or whatever or whatever television station at the time. Like that's what they had to that's what they literally had to to wait on. But now, if I want to see Mike Trout play, just turn, I, I pay a hundred and you know twenty dollars or whatever, and I have my MLB TV, and I can watch all out of market games for every for all thirty teams, or baseball tonight, or MLB.tv, live lookins and everything like that. That has changed the All Star game. It just has. That's a fact, and I don't and I don't believe that a lot of people bring that up. Like. The, the simplest of reasons that's right in front of us. Technology. Technology. Absolutely. I think free agency is another reason. These guys switch teams so much now that it, that, that's, you know, you don't have guys on the same team anymore. You don't have guys that primarily stay in the American League anymore. Now you got guys that switch leagues all the time. That's hurt the All-Star game. Absolutely. And I think the other, the other added thing to this is just that throughout history, things just evolve. Things just evolve. Like sometimes things just grow evolve and just fade away, fade out of relevancy. And I think all-star games, and I'm, and I'm not just, and, and in this case, I'm not just talking about the baseball all-star game, but I'm just talking about in general, all-star games in general. And I think those reasons can be quantifiable to all all-star games. Like, I think technology has hurt the NBA all-star game. 
You know, it's, it's, there's no novelty in watching Anthony Davis versus LeBron. They play each other a random night in February. So there's no novelty to that. Plus, and even back in the day where you didn't see all the great players that were dispersed around the league, you know, you know, maybe there was some novelty in seeing the Western Conference guys if you're an Eastern Conference guy. There was some novelty if you're a Western Conference guy seeing the Eastern Conference guys. Now, with cable TV, with with the internet, obviously, you were able to see. Like, if you were a guy living in North Dakota and you didn't, you, obviously, you don't have an NBA team. Like, wow, I want to, but you happen to be an NBA fan. Like, man, I would love to see Michael Jordan play. Well, you can now. Just go online and you can see Michael Jordan play. Get a league pass. Turn on ESPN. Or at the time, NBA on NBC. It, there was a game, there was three or four games every Sunday, every Saturday, Sunday. So you could see these guys play. Obviously, you don't have to worry about not being able to see guys. Like if you're a Western Conference guy, you can't see LeBron play. Obviously, you've seen him in the finals eight straight years. Not to mention, you could watch him a random night in January because he's going to be on ESPN or on TNT. So it's hurt every, so this, so these reasons have hurt all the All-Star games. But my point is that maybe All-Star games are just fading into exist, fading into existence and fading, uh, and, and fading from our consciousness. Like things sometimes just do that. In all walks of life, there was a time where blockbuster video was the shit and it was the thing to do. Rent videos, come home and, you know, you rent a new movie, you rent a video game and then you, and then you rent some, some horror movies. That's what I used to do. I used to live in blockbuster video. Every weekend I would go to blockbuster video. And rent something. I'd rent a couple horror movies, a couple slasher flicks, maybe rent a, a couple new movies here and there, and a video game. And, and I was set. I was good. And then what happened? A new, better concept came out in Netflix. And then eventually, Blockbuster became old hat. And I'm not saying that's that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm, I'm, I still miss Blockbuster video. I miss the experience of it. But Netflix is better. You get movies. You get TV shows. You get original TV shows. Like... Netflix is better and it's cheaper. The nine, ten dollars that you pay for Netflix, that was a weekend at Blockbuster. I pay that now in a month and I get to watch House of Cards. I get to watch Dear Black, Dear White People. I get to watch Luke Cage. I get to watch fucking Last Jedi or whatever new movies. Like I get to do all of that for that same price. So the concept has evolved. It's just become better. And what happened? Blockbusters faded into existence. Now I know the analogy doesn't quite always fit the same way, but I mean, it's the same thing in the All-Star game. Technology became a thing. Or the internet became a thing. Cable TV expanded and grew. And now the need to have an all-star game and, and watch the guys that you don't get to watch across other leagues and other, other teams. Now that's become null and void. And I don't know how you really fix it. There's no way to fix it. You can't get rid of technology. So it's heard the all-star game. And it's, it hasn't, and it's not must-see TV for me anymore. I mean, no all-star game is really must-see TV anyway. And I don't know, and I, I don't know how people watch the Pro Bowl. Like the Pro Bowl is the worst. I mean, it's still the worst All Star game because football just doesn't lend itself to an All Star game. I mean, just it is what it is. And they've done things to at least make the Pro Bowl interesting. But I mean, it's I still have no interest in the Pro Bowl. Like I wouldn't, you couldn't pay me to watch the, the Pro Bowl. You couldn't pay me to watch the Pro Bowl. Hell no. I, I swear to God, like if the Pro Bowl was happening right here in my living room, I would I would turn away. I would turn away. I would literally go upstairs or leave the house and, and do something better with my, either take my kids to the park or just do, like, I, literally. If the Pro Bowl was happening in my backyard, I would close the blinds because I have no interest in it. Now, I don't feel that strongly about the NBA, the NBA, you know, the NBA and the MLB and the NHL All-Star game, but I mean, it's it's the same thing. It's not must-see TV. Like, like, a night in February. Do you think, you know, it's cold, so they bank on people being inside already. It's a Sunday night. It's cold. Most people have to work the next day. 
You know, so, you know, it's on. I'll turn it on. But it's not must-see television. Like, if my wife wants to go out and have dinner, like, yeah, yeah, babe. I'm not going to sit here and tell her, no, 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 babe. I, I got to watch LeBron and, and Russ on the same team on the All-Star. No. Fuck no. And the same thing is t- tomorrow night. Like, if my wife wants to have dinner out on, 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 on the waterfront, like, yeah, sure, babe. Let's do it. It's not appointment television. So I think All-Star games are just, they just lost their luster. They've, they're, they're slowly starting to fade into existence. And I've said this before, so I, you know I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be new. Like I I wouldn't mind just seeing seeing all these leagues just name an All Star team, but not play the games. Like would anybody miss it? Like would anybody be outraged if they named an All Star team and just didn't play the game? I think most athletes would just take the break. <laughs> they'd rather take the break. I don't blame them. I think most NBA guys, if you if they were honest with you, they they take the the week off that they get and just rest. And same thing for baseball. Same thing for baseball. Or at the very least, you know what I would rather see in base. What I would rather see MLB do is get rid of the All Star Game, name it, name an All Star team for traditional purposes, name them, because you're celebrating what's you know the stars of the first half or whatever. So you name an All Star team, and then that All Star team is your is your USA team, and you play the WBC team. You play and you and that's your USA team, and you play the WBC every three, two three years during that All Star team during that All Star break. Extend the All Star break. Make it two weeks. Make it. You could. You could do that tournament in two weeks. This idea that you can't do the WBC in two weeks is bullshit. You could do the WBC in two weeks. Seventeen days tops. And I think it's a good break for the baseball season. I think it would give the guys not named in the All Star team a break, a much needed break. Now it's a radical change. I'm not saying it's not, but I think it would be better, honestly. And I didn't always feel this way. I really didn't. I didn't always feel this way. I was like, I was a traditionalist, even though I'm young. I was a traditionalist. Like, oh, no, nah, man, play the All-Star game. It's fun, blah, 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 da, 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 da. You know, the announcements and, you know, guys tipping their cap. I mean, but it's lost its luster. It has. Not to mention, it doesn't count for anything anymore. And I was never, like, really high on the on on home field advantage in a World Series, you know, being decided by the All-Star. I was never really high on Like, I was never really anti it. I was kind of in the middle of it, like, on the issue. Like, I could see both sides of the argument. Like I, I could see the people that liked it. I could see the people that didn't like it. If I had to like pick, I was more kind of like I was for it in the sense because I think it did make the All Star game interesting. I think it made guys play a little bit harder for it. It just made the game a little bit more watchable, knowing that there was something at stake. Even if the something at stake was essentially was going to influence maybe one or two teams. That's it. The fact that the, the game there was something on the game, there was something tangible on the game, meant something. Now there's just it now that it's gone back to the old format where it's just nothing on the game, it's hurt it. I have no interest in watching it now. Well, I shouldn't say that. I have no interest in in basically cutting three hours of my life to watch it. Like if I'm home, I have nothing to do, of course I turn I'll throw it on. But again, if family duties call or my wife wants to go out and have fun, or a buddy of mine that comes into town that I haven't seen in a couple of years comes in and wants to have a drink, like, yeah. <laughs> I'll skip the All-Star game. Like, why not? It's not appointment television. It just isn't. So that's my little rant on the All-Star game. It's not the same. And I, and man, it's like, it's crazy for me to actually admit it because like, yo, I love the All-Star game. Loved it. Loved it for years. Years loved the All-Star game. But it's just not the same anymore. It isn't. And then the way they pick All-Stars, they just made everything so fucking convoluted for the baseball. I mean, all the all sports have the same issue. The fan vote, the players vote, the players don't, you know, the, the players have to have their, their guys in by June 16th or something like that, which is still a month left in the season. Before, you know, so that's stupid. 
and then the snubs, and there's always going to be snubs. But then, then it's like, it, then the argument is manufactured because a lot of these guys get named after the fact because guys get named and he can't pitch because obviously, like a guy like in Verlander's case, he pitched on Sunday, so he's not going to pitch on Tuesday. So all the controversy and the outrage about Blake Snell not being named to the All-Star team was was quelled. Because I, and I don't even think it was a, a Verlander there. I think he was just named because he was an injury replacement. So, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. I just, I'm just not that into it anymore, you know? Just not into it. And maybe it's just my age. Maybe I'm just getting older. Maybe I've become more cynical, like I said, you know? But I'm just not that into it anymore. You know? Maybe I'm just not that into it anymore. It happens. It happens. The interesting thing that happened this weekend was uh, Mike Matheny getting fired from the Cardinals. Uh, Mike Matheny getting let go after, what? better parts of six, seven seasons on the team now. He became the manager after LaRusse after the World Series in 2011 when LaRusse retired. You know, so he was there 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 17, and 18. So yeah, about seven and a half seasons. Seven and a half seasons as the manager of the Cardinals. And I don't understand this firing. Like, I really, I really don't understand this firing. And I don't understand it because I think the Cardinals are the are that organization. I was talking about the same thing with the Mets. The but they're not as bad as the Mets, obviously. But the Cardinals are to me are a team that's a little bit in the crossroads as well. Like I don't know what the Cardinals are. Like I look at that team and I'm just and I've always and, and I've always had this problem with the Cardinals the last couple of years. Like if you look at the Cardinals roster, like who on that roster is great? Think about it. Like who on that roster? I'm not even talking about pitchers right now. Just look at that 25-man everyday everyday lineup. Like, look at that everyday lineup. Like, who on that team is great? Who on that team do you put on another team and they're 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 just as good, if not successful? Like Tommy Pham is is has, was a revelation last year, and he's followed up with a pretty good year. I didn't expect that. I thought Tommy Pham was one of those guys that just that just found it for one year and then was gonna you know drop back down to obscurity. But he's become a pretty decent, very good player. Good player. Nice player. Tommy Pham. But is Tommy Pham great? No. Do you put Tommy Pham on the Astros and he's, uh, are they better? Not really. You know, Colton Wong, is he, is he great? No. Jed Jerko? Like, I look at that team and I'm just like, they're not that good. If you ask me right now, in the Central, obviously the Cubs and the Brewers are the two best teams in that division. And they, and they both have superior rosters to the Cardinals. Even the Pirates. Like, I think the Pirates are more talented than the Cardinals. Now, I know the Pirates don't have the record to show it, but I mean, you look at the Pirates' talent. Josh Bell, young kid. I like Josh Bell more than I like a lot of guys on the Cardinals. Polanco. Polanco's been a little bit of a disappointment. He hasn't lived up to the huge expectations he came up with. But I mean, Polanco, even Polanco in his hot and cold, he runs hot and cold. You watch Polanco for a week and you think, oh my God, this guy's going to finally become, you know, the, the Roberto Clemente type that people thought he was going to be. And then he drops back down and he goes on a two-month slump. So Polanco's up and down. But I mean, Polanco has more talent than anybody on the Cardinals that I like. Marte, like, I like that roster better. You look at the Reds. Now, the Reds have no pitching. I get that. The Reds have no pitching. Like, you know, their pitching's been a little bit better. Rice Ellie Glacius, the closers, awesome. I get it. And Harvey's actually pitched like a major league pitcher again. Go figure. Um, but I get it. But they don't have any pitching. Homer Bailey's still one of the worst contracts in baseball history. Like, I still don't understand how the Reds gave Homer Bailey $100 million. Like, I, I just will never understand that. Never. Never in my life will I understand the Reds giving Homer Bailey a $100 million contract. Like, like I'd like to shake his hand. I'd like to shake his agent's hand, for real. But, like, I get it. They don't have a lot of pitching. I get that. 
But I mean, I actually like the Reds roster better too. Votto's better than anybody on the Cardinals. Scooter Jeanette is better than a lot of the guys on the Cardinals. Suarez is better than a lot of guys on the Cardinals. You know, Shebler is a, a pretty good player. Like the Reds have good pieces in that on that team. Now the problem with the Reds obviously has been pitching. Like we, like I said. So like when I look at that team, I'm like, what is this team? And even when they had Piscotti and Grichik, like I was just like. How is this team as good as it's been? And and I was like, so I said that even a couple years. I said that, what, three years ago when they won 104 games. I was like, how did this team win 104 games? With Randall Gritchick and Piscotti, like good players, good, solid major league players. But they're not difference makers. They're not guys that, 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 that you know, move the needle one way or another. Like, they're just not. So I always thought the sum was greater than, you know, I always thought the whole was greater than the sum of the parts on that team. I really did and I always thought Matheny did a really good job with not a lot of great talent. It's not like Matheny managed, you know, you know, Albert Pujols and, and Scott Rowland and Jim Edmonds and that incarnation of the Cardinals. He didn't. And then, of course, you do, you know, you, you, all the reports come out that, you know, he had lost some folks in that locker room and that Matheny was viewed as an old school guy and blah, blah, blah. And all these other all the shit that comes out when guys get let go. And I always hate that lost the clubhouse thing. I always hate that. So let me get this straight. Mike Matheny had the clubhouse when he won 104 games in 2015. He had the clubhouse. But two years later, after he, you know, he wins 86 and 83 games respectively, now he's lost the clubhouse. I don't, I don't understand that one. I never, and I get it. I get it. The team's underperformed this year. I think they're only like two games above 500. They were expected to be a lot better. I get that. And I get it when teams underperform, you know, it's hard to fire 25 guys. I get that. I understand it. I get that, but I just don't understand this move. I, I I never thought Matheny was a bad manager. Now again, I'm not I'm not in St. Louis every day, so I'm not seeing Mike Matheny. I don't have to deal with him in the media. I don't have to you know cover him. I'm sure he's not exactly a ball. I never got the I never got the impression that Mike Matheny's a you know a ball of laughs when you're covering him. And maybe he was crabby with the media. Like I, I don't know, but I don't think the guy's done enough to be fired. I think at the very least, I think the guy deserved the year. At the very least. Think about it. This guy's been very successful with the Cardinals. In 2012, he took them to a National League Championship Series. They lost to the Giants in seven games. Now, they did blow a 3-1 lead, but there's no shame in losing to a team like the Giants, especially that team, a dynasty in the Giants, a team that would go on to win three championships in five years. There's no shame in that. Then in 2013, he gets to a World Series. They lose to the Red Sox in six games. That was a better team. No shame in that. Got the, in his second year as a manager, he got the team to the World Series. That was 2013. Then 2014, again, to another National League Championship Series. Loses to the Giants in five games. Again, I already talked about the Giants being a dynasty. They would win their third championship in five years. Then in 2015, he wins 104 games. He goes 104 and 58. Great record. Dominates. Wins the division. Oh, by the way, a year in which the other two teams in that division won 98 and 97 games respectively. So it's not like he won 100 games in a division that was that was the shits. He won. That was probably the best division in baseball that year. Wins 104 games. Now they lose in now they lose in four games to the Cubs, but the Cubs were a, a a brewing behemoth coming. So there's no so at the time there was no shame in that. And then in 2016 he misses the playoffs by one game to the Mets. He went, he finishes 86 and 76. And then last year they finished 83 and 79. So what exactly in that resume that I just read off constitutes firing a guy midseason? I don't understand that. I don't understand it. I don't get it. And again, I'm not there every day. I'm not a Cardinals fan. I'm not there every day. I don't see it every day. So maybe he did lose the clubhouse. Although I, I hate that excuse. And, and look, I can understand firing a guy because you want to make a change. I, I, I 
I don't know. I just don't understand this move. I really don't. I really, really don't. From what I see, Matheny did a good job and he didn't deserve to get fired. Now, had they continued to underachieve this year and you want to and you want to fire the guy in the offseason, like, okay, then I, I'm I'm at least open to it. But to fire the guy midseason? Like, really? I, I, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. And again, it's not like they were 30 games under 500. What? They're a game, you know, they fired him Saturday night. They were a game over. They were a game over. So I really don't understand that move. I think they were, I think he was the scapegoat for a team that's been poorly built. Their offense hasn't been great. And I just look at that team and I'm just like, who on that, who on that everyday lineup would you rather have than any, than a lot of guys in that division? Who? Like even the Reds, the worst team in that division. I would at least, I would take three or four guys on the Reds over any of the guys on the Cardinals. Easily. Easily. And their pitchers, some of their highly touted pitchers, have not delivered. Michael Walker was supposed to be, you know, the next, you know, Tom Seaver. And he's been hurt. And he hasn't exactly lived up to the hype. And he's had his moments where he's been really good. But for the most part, he's been a disappointment. He's been a disappointment. You go back to 2012, 2013, Michael Walker was was the shit. Michael Walker was supposed to be the next. Michael Walker was supposed to be Jacob, Jacob DeGrom. He was supposed to be Noah Syndergaard. Hell, he was supposed to be Matt Harvey. He was Harvey before Harvey. Now his now his issues have been staying healthy, but Michael Walker's been a disappointment. Carlos Martinez was he's good, but he's not great. Carlos Martinez is not a is not a, a one. A, he's not an ace. He's a good pitcher on a great team, on a truly great team. Carlos Martinez is a is a second starter, maybe a third starter. He's not great. Wainwright's old. They don't have Lance Lynn anymore. Now I know they they found a revelation in this Miles Nicholas kid. Michael, Miles Michaelis or whatever, however the hell you fucking pronounce his name. But I mean, like, I just look at that team and I'm just like, were they actually supposed to be better than what they've been? I, I just, I haven't loved that roster in the last couple of years. I just haven't. Really haven't. So I, I, I don't know what more Matheny was supposed to do. I, 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 okay, because they went out there and signed, uh, because they went out there and, and, you know, and traded for Ozuna. And I've never been a huge Ozuna fan. Ozuna's had one great year. So I could see Ozuna falling off the table. I, I could, I, I swear to God, I could see Ozuna falling off the table. Because I was like, I was like, Ozuna's only had really one great year. He's always had talent and he's always shown flashes that he could be really, really good. But he, but he only really put it together last year. And then the Cardinals traded for him. Didn't really give up a ton. And, you know, they thought that he was going to fix all their issues. He was going to fix, he was going to be the guy that basically, you know, fixed all of their problems and he hasn't been the, and it hasn't been the case now i know carpenter's having a good year but i mean uh, everybody else on that team has just been uh fam's having a pretty good year they're getting something out of that big first base kid but you know other than that like i just i don't love that 25 man roster i just don't i really really don't so i don't understand the Matheny fired i i just don't i, I don't understand the Matheny firing i i don't get it i don't understand what exactly was he supposed to do with this roster i i I just, I don't get it. A lot of rumors that Girardi's the the favorite to get that job. I could see it. That seems like a fit. Obviously, he played for the Cardinals for a little bit. Even if, I think it was just like one year or so he played for the Cardinals, Girardi. But Girardi is a Cardinal guy. But I don't, you know, honestly, as much as I like Joe Girardi as a manager, I don't even think Girardi's going to waste some magic with this team. Like, what is Girardi going to fix on this team? Is Girardi going to make Michael Walker a better pitcher and stay healthy? So I, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand that firing. There's some firings that I can understand that I can I can get behind, but you know even when even when it comes with firing a t- a coach that's been successful, like when Dwayne Casey got fired, like I understood that firing because that team had underachieved for years, years, and I could argue that Dwayne Casey hasn't had the success that my, that 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 uh that Mike Matheny's had. Mike Matheny got the three, basically three straight, you know, 
championship series. He got to a World Series and two LCSs. I know it's a different sport, but when has has Dwayne Casey done that? So I don't get that fired. I really don't. And then everything else in baseball, I mean, it's pretty much, I mean, it's pretty much cut and dry. Like I, like I said last week, um, you know, you know, you have three really great teams in the American League, all that all have the potential to win 100 games: the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Astros. The Red Sox have the best base, the best record in baseball going into the All Star break. Um, the Yankees have been scuffling a little bit. The Yankees need a pitcher. The Yankees need starting pitching. They're, I, I'm I'm going to tell you like this. The Yankee and it takes and it brings joy to my heart, obviously. But the Yankees are not winning a World Series with Sabathia, Tanaka, Sonny Gray, and Severino in the rotation. I don't, I don't care. They could, they could. I don't care if they get Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. They're not winning a World Series with that rotation. They're just not. They're just not. So they need a pitcher, and there's no great pitchers for them to get out there. I don't want to trade them. Uh, Jacob DeGrom. The only way I would trade Jacob DeGrom to the Yankees if they're if they're putting Gleyber Torres in a deal. And they're not willing to do that. So we have nothing to talk about. And even then, I, w- I still can't stomach trading the Jacob DeGrom to the Yankees. I just can't stomach it as a Met fan. I just, just, uh, just thinking about it makes me nauseous. But there's no pitchers out there that they can get. Jay Happ. And Jay Happ now has fallen off a cliff since his name's been overhyped. When Jay Happ is the best starting pitcher on the market, you know that there's just no starting pitching on the market. Jay Happ. At best, Jay Happ is a fourth starter. At best. At best. Like if Jay Happ is starting game two for you, you have serious problems. Serious. So the Yankees need another starter, and I don't know where they're going to get him. Unless the Rays decide to trade Chris Archer, and you know, I'm not super high on Chris Archer like other people are. I don't love Chris Archer. Everybody keeps telling me Chris Archer's great. And I'm waiting to see it. I know he's had flashes and I know he's had moments and I know he's on the raise. I get it. But, you know, does Chris Archer make them better? I mean, yeah, he's he's better than anything else they have. But, you know, so, I mean, the American League is what it is. And the Indians have, they've had, they haven't had a spectacular first half, but the Indians are what, where we expected them to be. I think they're like nine, I think they're like nine games over 500. They're in a shitty division. The Indians need some bullpen and they need another bat. Because Kipnis has completely fallen off the map. So the Indians are kind of where we expected them to be. I think if the Indians can get a bullpen piece at the trade deadline and another bat, I think the Indians still have a chance. Because their pitching is still really, really good. They've gotten a lot out of Clevenger. You know, uh, Kluber is Kluber. Um, Carrasco's been pretty good. Not as good as he was last year, but pretty good. Salazar's out for the year, so that's a hit for them. But, I mean, the Indians are the Indians. The Indians are the Indians. No surprise there. And then the National League is completely wide open. The NL West is a mess, although the Dodgers now seem to be now, I think they're in first place now. I think the I think the Diamondbacks are a game and a half back. So the Dodgers look like they're they're ready to now like just run away with that division. But I mean, even even the rest of that division still, you know, we can have the two wildcard teams can essentially come out of that division. No, well, no. Because I think one of the wildcards will definitely be the Brewers or the Cubs. One of those two teams will be the wildcard. But I mean, the NL wildcard is completely wide open because both spots are up there, up for grabs, even though I'm pretty sure it'll either be the Brewers or the Cubs with one of those two Cub, uh, one of those two playoff spots. And then essentially it just becomes a race for that second spot. And the second spot is up to... The loser of the NL East, either Braves, Nationals, or Phillies. No third team in the in the NL West or in the NL Central, I should say. And you know, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Giants in the West. So essentially, you've got pretty much six teams for one spot. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to be fair and throw the the 
the Cubs and the Brewers in there, you essentially have you essentially have six teams for two spots. Well, no, because obviously one's in a different division. But you know what I you you guys know what I mean. The second wild card is up for grabs, and you essentially got six teams. Six teams. That's gonna be interesting. Oh no, five teams, because one's gonna win the division, the NL East. So you got let's say the let's say the Braves win the NL East. I know the Phillies are leading right now, but let's say the Braves win the NL East. That leaves the Nationals, the Phillies. That leaves Giants, Rockies, Diamondbacks. So that's five teams for, for essentially one spot. So it's close. I mean, it's, it's wide open. It's wide, wide, wide open. Wide open. So baseball's kind of is what it is at this All-Star break. It kind of is what it is at this All-Star break. Um, a lot of talk has been... A lot of talk has been had about attendance being down and the fact that, uh, you know, there's a lot of bad teams. And, I, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of go back and forth with that uh, with that talk a lot because, to me, a lot of this stuff is cyclical. Like, it really is. Like, like people act like, oh, this is the worst crop of teams that we've had in a long time. And I don't I don't buy that. Like, some of those late 90s, like when the Yankees were winning the the, the AL East every year in the 90s. Like, some of those teams in the AL East were terrible. I mean, you had the Devil Rays. You had the Orioles that were just bad. I mean, you had some bad teams in the American League. So, I don't buy that. I know, I think this year you have some historically bad teams. Like, the White Sox and the Orioles are just horrific. Um... The White Sox and the Orioles, the Royals are terrible. The Mets are fucking a disaster. The Marlins are the Marlins have actually exceeded expectations because I thought I was like no way in hell the Marlins. I mean, were the Marlins were were the Marlins even going to win forty games? And the Marlins are like forty one and I think forty one and fifty seven or something like that. So the Marlins are, have actually exceeded expectations. You know, so so I get it. The lack of the lack of great teams across the board is is spread out. But I don't know. I I don't make too much of the of the disparity of good and bad because you know there's just a lot of teams tanking. And, and plus, I think this stuff is cyclical. I really do. I think this stuff is cyclical. I really, really do. It, it was a couple years ago that the Braves and Phillies were were fucking terrible, and now look at them. So you know, and the Mets were in the World Series. So you know, again, cyclical. These things go in cycles. So I don't make too much of that attendance. Uh, the, I mean, I, it's a concern. And the fact that there, I, I think there's more towards the attendance because I think a, there's a lot of bad teams. B weather in the Northeast was especially in the Northeast and cold weather cities, was just terrible. And baseball's got to do a better job with their schedule, man. I mean, they can't, they, they, I, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what they can do, but I just, I think they can't start in March. I think they got to move the season up a little bit. They got to start in, at the very least, the second week of April, they can't start these. I mean, they're starting games in March and it's snow outside. Now I know that the weather hasn't exactly been great. You know, the weather in the in the Northeast didn't really get good till late May, early June. So it wasn't. So I mean, it's just I don't know what is. I don't know what you can do, but about the weather because the weather obviously is the weather. It's Mother Nature. They can't control that shit. But I mean, I you know I don't know. I don't know what you do with the weather, but I do know baseball's got to do a better job with their schedule. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, baseball is what it is at the All-Star break, man. It is what it is. I think it's going to be a great second half. I think that I think that the Mariners and the A's are going to have a pretty interesting race for that second wild card. I know I just said that the American League is kind of is what it is. I think the A's have made the American League interesting. I will say that. Because I, I don't think the A's have come out of nowhere. And the A's have been able to sustain it a little bit. So, I, I'm very interested to see what the A's do at the deadline. I'm very interested to, do, to see. 
And I threw the A's out there as a potential team for Machado. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the A's get in on the Machado sweepstakes. Because it seems like the most Billy Bean-ish thing to do. Like, Billy Bean will do some shit like that. Like, why not? Why not? He'll do some shit like that. Like, I think Billy Bean will do some shit like that. So, obviously, you got the Machado sweepstakes. Who's going to get Machado? Um... Sounds like the Dodgers and the Yankees were the fit. Well, this thing this thing changes every week because you know at the end of last week you heard it was Yankees and the Dodgers. The, the Yankees were 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 hot after Machado, but now now a report came out that they're not willing to trade any of their top ten players, any of the top ten prospects for the you know to the Warriors for Machado. So who knows where that stands? I still I don't think I don't think Machado's going to go to the Dodgers. I don't think Machado's going to go to the Yankees. I think it's going to be an unexpected. I don't know. I I wouldn't say unexpected, but I don't think it's going to be one of those two teams. I could see him going to the Diamondbacks. I could see the Phillies trading for him. I could see the Brewers making a splashy move like that, and I could see the A's. Nobody's talking about that. I could see the A's. I could see the A's just saying, you know what? The Mariners are not a fucking dominant team. We're only three and a half out. Let's fucking go for it. Let's get a Machado. Let's get another pitcher or reliever in here, and let's fucking go for it. So I think the A's have made the American League very, very interesting. So. We'll see what happens. I'll get in more. I get in more into the into the uh, into the uh, trade deadline as the weeks go along. I'll probably have a guest or two lined up for that because I think the trade deadline is going to be very very interesting because you basically have three teams, three super teams in the American League that there's not much differences in between them. We know what we know what the weakness are in, in those three teams. The Yankees need a, need a starter. The Red Sox desperately need another reliever in that bullpen because I don't love that bullpen. I don't even love Kimbrel at the end of the games. But the Red Sox definitely need that an, another reliever, and the Astros. I mean, I mean, I mean, come on, dude. I mean, the Astros. The Astros need need. They don't just need one reliever. The Astros need about two or three, realistically. But they definitely need a closer in the worst way. Definitely. Are they interested in, in Jerry's Familia? <laughs> Probably not. But hey, if they give us a good uh, if they give us a good prospect in return, you can have Jay Reese. You can have him. You can have him. Anyway, yeah, I mean, we know the weakness of those three teams. So, you know, it's pretty evident, the weakness. And even in the NL, I mean, one move in the NL East could could really could really separate one of those three teams. I know the Nationals are at 500, and I think they're like, you know, I think they're like six games back. I haven't checked the standings, but I think the Nationals are like six games back or five and a half games back. Um, you know, so I think the Nationals, I mean, I don't think the Nationals are completely out of it. I don't think the Nationals are completely out of it. I don't love the Braves starting pitching, so I think the Braves need another starter in that rotation in the worst way possible. You know, to me, the Braves have gotten, you know, lights out performances from guys that I don't even think they expected to take that leap. Like, they've gotten great performances out of Fulton Nevage and, and Newsom's been good for them. I, I, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's going to last the entire season. And, to, and Tehran has not been great this year. When when Tehran loses to the Mets, you know Tehran's not having a good year. Because Tehran basically owns the fucking Mets. So the Mets have beat Tehran this year. So that should tell you everything that you need to know about Tehran. So Tehran's not been great this year. So the Mets, so the Braves need re- rotation help in the worst way. They really do. The Phillies, the Phillies need another bat. That's where Machado comes in. And, you know, even the Phillies' bullpen's not that great. I don't love that. I don't trust that bullpen. I don't trust Gabe Kapler using that bullpen either, but that's another thing. But, you know, I think the Phillies could use another reliever. And the Nationals are the Nationals. Outside of Strasburg, and 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 I know Strasburg is hurt, but outside of Scherzer and Strasburg, you know, Geo is Geo. He's missed a regular season, and in the postseason he folds. Jeremy Hellickson's been okay for them, but, I mean, it's Jeremy Hellickson. Um, 
they've addressed it. They've, they've actually improved their bullpens, which is, that's not a, that's not an issue for them per se. I don't know what the Nationals need. The Nationals are a whole nother topic. Not that, not that I'm, I'm annoyed by the Nationals being, <laughs> being a complete disaster right now. Not that I'm annoyed by that. Of course I'm not. But yeah, so, you know, the Nationals need a couple moves to kind of, you know, kind of mix it up there. So, and then obviously, a big move in the NOS could definitely shake it, shake something up over there. I mean, absolutely. If the Do- if the Dodgers get Machado, they, they I think they're going to win the division anyway. But I think if they definitely get Machado, I mean, they definitely put themselves in the driver's seat to to win that division and get back to another World Series. And even the Cubs and the Brewers, if they make a big move, you know, that could be. I don't love the Cubs rotation. I really don't love that Cubs rotation outside of Lester. And maybe Hendricks, I don't love that rotation. I'm not a huge Quintana fan. Quintana's so overrated. You know, I I don't know what the hell the Cubs were seeing in signing uh, Darvish. <sighs> he's been a disaster for him, and he's hurt. I just, I don't love that Cubs. And I don't love that bullpen either. I don't love that bullpen either. So the Cubs, although the Cubs have played really good baseball, especially over the last couple weeks, I don't love that bullpen. I just, I don't, there's just something about the Cubs I just don't. I don't like. I don't like that. I don't love that rotation. I don't love that bullpen. Um, the Brewers have a great bullpen. They don't have a great starting rotation, so the Brewers need rotation help. And I mean, any they're both those teams are one big move away from really kind of, kind of changing the conversation for good. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I think the trade deadline will be very, very, very interesting. Fouls of the week and uh, my foul of the week this week, besides giving a foul to myself, a foul of the week this week goes to Ken Giles. This guy, dog, Ken Giles was taken out the other day after doing what Ken Giles does, imploding in the ninth inning. And as he's being taken out, AJ Hinch is coming to the mound. He takes the ball from a- from Ken Giles and he basically says, fuck you to Ken G- to AJ Hinch. And obviously he gets demoted the next day, gets sent down to AAA. Like, dog, Ken Giles? Bruh, if there's anybody in baseball that should be glad that they still have a job, it's Ken Giles. First of all, I've never loved Ken. I, like, I've never understood the love affair with Ken Giles to begin with. Like, I never thought he was talented. Like, never. Like, he threw hard. You know, he had a good fastball. But I, even with the Phillies, I never understood the love affair with Ken Giles. Like, he had a moment or two. Like, he had a year where he was actually, like, a talented major league pitcher. But ever since then, like, I've just never understood this love affair with Ken Giles. And did anybody not watch Ken Giles in the postseason last year? Especially against the Yankees. Like, did, did anybody not watch Ken Giles last year? And for this dude to say, fuck you to Agent Hinch. Fuck you. This nigga basically said, fuck A.J. Hinch. Dog, like, you of all people should be glad that you still have your job. Like, you have been terrible at your job for better parts of three years. Like, you have been bad at your job for three years, bro. Three. Like, I'm not even bullshitting. Ken Giles has been bad at his job for three years with the Astros. And this dude is saying, fuck you to his manager? Like, come on, dog. Like, if anybody should be thankful that they still have a job, it's Ken Giles. And not just a job. It's not like he was just in the bullpen. He's still closing games for them. Partially because they have nobody else, but because he's still closing games for them. He's still he's still coming in in important situations and, and acts to get crucial outs. And he fails miserably at it nine times out of ten. Nine times out of ten. And then this guy's upset? He's angry? 
He has the audacity to say, fuck you? Really, Cat Giles? Really? Really? Dog, I wouldn't even have demoted him to AAA. I would have just kicked him off the team. Nobody in baseball wants Ken Giles. Nobody. Who wants Ken Giles? The Mets, with as bad of a bullpen as the Mets have, the Mets wouldn't even take Ken Giles. Look at his season. He surrendered 36 hits, 17 earned runs, in 30 and two-thirds innings with 31 strikeouts. No way. No way. Ken Giles now? Really? Ken Giles. Get the fuck out of here. So that's my foul of the week, Ken Giles. Baseball heavy show this week, obviously with the All-Star break. Uh, the MLB All-Star game happening tomorrow. But that's enough ranting for me this week, man. I'm going to get up out of here. Um, as always, man, thank you for listening and supporting and, and following and subscribing to the show, man. Without you guys, the listeners, I've always said this. I'll continue to say this. Um, without you guys, man, there is no podcast. There is no me. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for supporting the show, man. As always, you can support this show if you like what you're listening. If you want to listen to more, you can support this show. You can Subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, every podcast directory out there, every major podcast directory out there, we are there. So check us out, man. Uh, if you like what you're listening to, if you like the show and you want people to find out about the show that are not listening, drop us a review on iTunes. We very much appreciate that. Um, Follow us on Twitter at the TF Podcast One on Instagram, the TF Podcast on Facebook, Technical File Podcast. Also, become a member of our TFP Nation. Uh, TFP Nation, that's the name of the group. So, become a member of that. That's always a dope place to be. Um, share memes, posts, write anything you share your thoughts, whatever about sports. Obviously, you don't need no random thoughts out there, but yeah, man, uh, just follow the show. Follow me on Twitter at the Manuel Brown. Follow me on Snapchat, Manny Bro 15. Uh, my shit's crazy, so follow me, support my shit. Uh, nah, man, but as always, man, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the show. I'm gonna get up out of here. Um, I'll be back with another episode of the podcast next week, as always. Uh, Please have a happy, safe, blessed rest of you guys' week. Stay cool out there. Um, we're all bracing this this heat. Um, hopefully it gets back down to somewhere where it's manageable for everybody. Um, but yeah, man, I'm your host, Manny Fresh. I am out of here. Peace. Serious sound.
Thank you.